Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Everyone back here, um, face-to-face, worshiping God here together. Um, But nonetheless, it's still a good uh, day in the house of God. Uh, in your house, the presence of God, I, I'm believing is there. Um, God is God is still working. Amen. He is still working. And I know that you've seen it. I know that our church has seen it. I know that our leaders and our pastors have seen it. God is still moving. Amen. Glory to God. Um, this is a very unique time for the church, but it's, it's such an incredible opportunity uh, where we are able to, to, to really just be the church um, as, as we were always called to be. This morning, I want to I take you to the book of Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16. This is a very popular passage of scripture. I actually preached about it uh, or out of it recently. Um, I think that message was called at midnight. You can always go back and listen to it on our, on our podcast. We have a, a podcast called Numa church podcast. Any message that you miss, you can, you can listen to it there. I want to take a different angle here this morning, perhaps even read a little bit more than we did last time. One of the most powerful things about the word of God is that uh, the same word can contain so many different lessons in it, right? And, 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 and very often we tend, when we read the Bible, we tend to focus on, on the main lesson, the obvious one, right? That's a natural thing to do, um, but, but we fail to notice sometimes the sub-lesson. And we do this as well with life. We go through experiences um, that teach us something. We walk out of it having learned something. But, but we also leave on the table some other lessons that God was trying to teach us. Um, I, I was reminded about Layla a few years ago when she started talking. And anytime your child starts to talk, like you got to go into hyper training mode because you don't, the kids say the darnest things, right? I mean, you don't want them revealing your, your secrets, like at home, like your personal stuff, like you snore really loud or you snort or you have a weird laugh, right? Like stuff that you try to like cover up in public, they'll just burst it out. So, so whenever she started talking, we, we, we kind of went into the hyper training mode. And one of the things that we started to teach her immediately was to say thank you for things because she, she was always getting a bunch of gifts from, you know, both sides of the family and people from church. And, 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 and she'd be spoiled with these gifts, Christmas time, birthdays, Easter, I mean, random holidays, MLK days. She'd get, you know, a bunch of gifts. Like, and, and whenever you have a child who is used to receiving a bunch of gifts, that's dangerous, it, it is. And, and so we had a talk with her and uh, I remember telling her how important it was for her to say thank you. You want to say thank you. You don't want to just expect things all the time. It, it, it's a blessing when someone gives you something. It's better to give than it is to receive. So, but when you do receive, I want you to say thank you. And whenever you're teaching your kids lessons, a lot of times they, they get the what. They don't understand the why. And so she, she understood what to do. And anytime you give Layla a gift, you know, if she's not too shy to talk to you, she, she's going to say thank you. She, she got it down. But we failed to teach her uh, the why behind it. It wasn't just about saying thank you for things. It was, it, was, it was to show gratitude when someone gives you something. 
hug them. Let, let them know that you appreciate them. Um, because there would be some times where she'd, give, she'd get a gift and she'd say thank you, but her face would say something else, right? And, and while she learned the, the main lesson, which was to say thank you, there was, a more, uh, there was more to the lesson that we were trying to teach her. It's like that with God sometimes when we go through lessons, through experiences where he's trying to teach us something. Sometimes we, we, we notice the obvious one, but there's more left on the table. And I want to uh, look at this passage of, of scripture here, Acts 16, 25 through 34. And it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Uh, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we all are, we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he baptized them at once. He and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Amen. So I entitled today's message, Midnight Morning. Midnight morning, two words that, that mean two very different things. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty much on opposite ends of the spectrum. Very oxymoronic, right? Midnight morning. When you think of, of midnight, you think of darkness. You think of, uh, you think of the beginning to what might be a very, very long night. And, and recently with a, with a newborn, we, we know a thing or two about long nights, there's been, you know, Ellie's going through like these baby leaps, right? And uh, whenever your, your baby's going through like a leap, it's, it's, it's the worst. And, and there's, there's been nights where, you know, she just doesn't want to go to sleep. She doesn't want to go down and, and she's fussing and she's crying. And then we put her down for like five minutes and then she starts crying again. It's very, very frustrating. It takes a lot of patience. And, and there'd be some nights where we would look at the clock and it was like midnight. And the first thing that we thought to ourselves this is going to be a very, very long night. That's what midnight typically signifies. Morning, on the other hand, is symbolic of, of what? Light. Light at the end of the tunnel. Not, not even at the end of the tunnel. It's, it's the end. It's what you can't wait to get to after a very, very long night. I don't know if you've ever driven through the night before, right? It's really hard to, to stay awake. It, you know, it's very, very tempting just to close your eyes and, and, and fall asleep. And, and, and when you notice, when you're driving through the night, you start to see the sun start to come up. And it's like, man, the morning is here. And you, you get a, a, a burst of fresh energy, even though you haven't slept. I mean, that's what the morning is symbolic of. King David writes in Psalms 30, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And maybe you've reached one of those hours right now. Maybe you're in the middle of one of those hours. Maybe you've reached your morning and your mind is free 
from distraction. You're stress-free. You can focus again. Uh, man, it, it's, it's so hard when you're going in through, you know, in, in, a, in a dark hour. It's so hard when you're, when you're stressed out and you're frustrated because you want to focus on God, but, but your vision is a little bit blurred. So, man, if you're in your morning hour, praise God. Praise God. But maybe you just entered the midnight hour. And you know it's going to be a long night. You know it's going to be a long fight. And you're just not expected. You're not excited for what's to come. What if what, if what midnight signifies and what morning signifies are not two different things? Right? Because we, we tend to think that they are. That they're, they're separate from each other. But what if they're all part of the same narrative? What if... It's all linked together, and you can't have one without the other. I want you to consider this as we, as we get into this story here. See, Paul and Silas, they had been ministering up until this point. They were preaching the gospel. They were going out, and, and, and they, were, they were going into people's homes. They were breaking bread with them. They were, you know, they were touching them with, in, in prayer. They were healing them. They were baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. People were speaking in tongues. They were getting saved. They were, they were being a part of people's conversions. And that's, that's such a rewarding feeling as, as a minister. And if you're a minister, I'm sure you, you know how rewarding that feels to be a part of someone's uh, coming to Jesus moment. It, it could have been as simple as, hey, do you want to come to church with me this Sunday? And then they never left. And you had, to, you had a part to play in their spiritual eternity. It's such a powerful feeling. And that's what they were doing, Paul and Silas, every day. They were going out and they were being the church. And they were being used in his kingdom. And on this particular day, they're on their way. The Bible says to a prayer session, they're on their way to prayer and they get interrupted by this little girl and, and she's taunting them. This is a little girl who has a spirit of divination. She's a, she's a fortune teller. She is a slave girl. She's being used by her, her owners, um, for their own profit. And, and so this very, this day, Paul and Silas, they're, they're walking to their prayer session and and, and, and on their route, they come across this little girl and she begins to taunt them and she's mocking them. And I don't know what kind of things that she's saying to them, but she's annoying them. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, the Bible says that, that, that she would do this for, for many days. So I suspect that, you know, Paul and Silas were, were going to prayer on a regular basis, on a daily basis. And, and on their route, they would come across this little girl. And every day she would do the same thing. She would mock them. She would taunt them. I don't know if there's ever like maybe on, on your way to, you know, a particular destination, there's this like neighborhood you try to avoid. Like, I don't want to go over there. That's, that's the hood. You know, I got to lock my doors when I, when I pass this, this area, this is, this is what's happening here. They're trying to get to prayer and on their route, they find this little girl. And again, they're just, they're just trying to pass through for prayer. Have you ever had something unfortunate happen to you on your way to church or on even tragic? I, I know I've heard of stories of people, you know, um, getting into like car accidents on their way to church or on their way from church. <laughs> I, I remember a few years ago, I got into a pretty bad wreck on my way home from church. My car was totaled. It was, it was raining. Uh, there was an 18 wheeler. I, I lost control of the vehicle. I hydroplane and he hit me. He hit me on my, on my side 
And I remember telling the cop, he, he hit me. Like, technically, he hit me. I got in his way, but he hit me, right? Uh, <laughs> but, but I remember, like, just being a little, like, like, like I was just coming home from, from church. Like, you can't just let me get home, God? Like, right? Or, or, or if you're coming to church and you're trying to get to church and you go through the morning hassle of getting your kids ready and, and you know, you're, you're stressed out, you're trying to make it on time and then something tragic or unfortunate happens to you. It's like, God, I'm, I'm just trying to get to church. There was, there, there's this gentleman here who comes to our church. He, he had been coming pretty frequently. Uh, he would sit in the back and uh, he would kind of sneak off after, after service. But I would notice him I would notice him before service. He'd be sitting out in the front. I was, I'm always, you know, you know, trying to get things ready, really busy in the, in the mornings before service. I would shake his hand, you know, talk to him, you know, small talk a little bit, but I would never really, really get to talk to him. And then after service every week, he would, he would leave. Um, there was this one particular Sunday where I, where I went outside, pastor Brandon was talking to him. And after a while, pastor Brandon comes in and he's completely mind blown by this guy's story. And he begins to tell me, and I'm like, man, that's powerful. The next week, this guy comes back again, and I make it a point, like, I'm going I'm to talk to this guy. I'm no, no one's going to talk to me. I'm going to go talk to this guy. And I talk to him, and, I, and he tells me the same story that he had told Brandon. And it uh, turns out this guy, is, he, he's, he's been homeless. He's homeless. He lives under the 59 Bridge, and he walks to church. He said, one, one particular Sunday, he was walking by there on, on, uh, on, on Runnels Street, and uh, he, he said that he felt this, this conviction just to come into church. He said that as he was passing, there was just something that said, hey, step into church. Go to church today. And he came in, and he said that he felt an atmosphere of worship he said that he was taken away by, by the word that was preached. He was, he was ministered to just by the community, and that's what kept him coming back. And that's a great testament to our church. Amen. But he said, he kept telling me his story. He said that he, he had lived in Austin prior to coming to Houston. He lived with his, his wife and his little girl. They were a Christian family. They would go to church every Sunday, much like many of our families uh, do at our church. You go to church on a regular uh, on a regular Sunday morning. And, and uh, on this, this Sunday, this particular Sunday, he said that his wife and his daughter were going to go ahead of him. They had to be at church early for some reason, and he was just going to meet them up later. And that's, that's what happens here. A lot, of, a, lot of, uh, a lot of us come in separate cars, especially those who have to be here early. That's what happened on this Sunday morning. And then he's, as he's on his way to church, he says he's confronted with, with traffic on a Sunday morning. He's like, man, what's going on? And, 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 and as he's finally getting out of it, he says he notices a car that looks just like his, his wife's. And so he gets out of it in a panic, just like any of us would do. And, and he learns that his family was involved in an accident and they were killed instantly. On their way to church. And he said, he said from then on, I mean, he was just, he was angry at God. He was, how could God do this on their way? to church. And he became very bitter and, 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 uh, he lost everything. He said he had turned to alcohol. He lost his home. I mean, everything. And he was angry at God. And he said the very first time that he stepped into a church building was when he came in here. Now you think about that and it's like, why do these things happen? 
And I, I don't know. No one knows. It seems not to make sense. Why do I have to you know, suffer as a result of doing the will of God? And why do, why do I have to, to bring chaos into my life when I'm trying to serve the God of peace? It doesn't make sense. Paul and Silas, they were on their way to a prayer session when they got in trouble. And the Bible says that they're mobbed and they're beaten, they're flogged, they're, they're probably stomped on and spit on and, and they're beaten with rods and then they get thrown into prison all because they were just trying to pass through for prayer. And then the next part of the story emerges. These men are in prison. They don't skip a beat, right? They, they begin to pray in prison. They begin to sing in prison. They begin to have church in prison. This is proof that you don't need a church building to have a church experience. This is proof that, that foundations aren't just shaken within the four walls of the, of the church, but, but you could take the church into prisons in the most unlikely places and foundations can be shaken there. And that's what they, that's what they did. And guys, as much as, look, I, I'm so ready to be back with you guys. I really am. Let me just be real for a second. Talk about this situation. I know we all miss each other. I miss you guys. And I can't wait to have regular church again. But if I'm being honest, the only reason I want that is just to see your face. It's just have a face-to-face conversation with you and to, to hug you and to have the community and to worship beside you and, and hear some of y'all sing, even though some of y'all can't sing that great. I still love it because it's worship and, and have y'all, you know, say stuff like, come on, pastor and, and, and get it, pastor. And have brother Larry, you know, give me those hardcore hand claps. That's, that's what I miss. I miss the fellowship. But other than that, I don't know about you, but I, I don't feel like we've lost much. And, and maybe that's not every church but I was telling a couple pastors this week, man, I am proud of us as a church. And I, and I mean that because we're still reaching people. We're still reaching people. I mean, people are, people are calling who never come to this church and they're giving. <laughs> people are asking for prayer who have never been to our church. We're still able to disciple people. We're still able to have, you know, uh, Bible study and we're still preaching the word of God. We're still reaching people. We're still worshiping, praying. We're giving. I mean, like when you think about a church, nothing has really been diluted. So I'm proud of us. And you know what? Something happens. I think it's I think it's because something happens when you take the church out of the church walls. Right. Because look, when we come to church, who, who's the one being ministered to? The church. When you come to church, it, it, it's, it's about God, but the ministry aspect is, is, is about whoever's in the audience. We're going to minister to the church. We're going to lay hands and we're going to pray for, for those who come to church. But when you take the church out of the building, when you take the church out of the resting place and out of its nest and its comfort zone, and you place it into the presence of people who have not yet been liberated by Christ, then the church can reach prisoners. When, when the church continues to be the church, man, 
even, even though you might not like what's going on, even if you don't agree with the government mandates, when we continue to have church while not being in the church, prisoners will hear the praises. They will hear the praise. They're going to be a part of a church service and they didn't even want to be. And it'll happen just like verse 26 says, immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. There, there is a, there's a really big spiritual aspect to this right here. Immediately the, the doors were opened. Bonds were unfastened. I don't know if you noticed this, man, but, but as a pastor's job, it's kind of my job to notice. People are coming to Christ right now. Revival is beginning to, ha- is beginning to happen. People are being reminded of the grace that's in Christ Jesus. They're hearing the gospel message. Some of them for the first time in their lives, they're asking for prayer. And all of this is at a time where churches are suffering. All of this is happening in the midnight hour of the church. I was, I was having a pastor's conference with, with some people this past uh, week, and, and the consensus uh, was that 50, about 50 to 80% of church giving is down. And, and, and if you're watching and you're like, man, you know, here we go, church is talking about giving. Look, that's the way that we stay open, okay? That's the way that we stay, that's the way that we can do this. Churches need to be able to pay their bills. And, and some of these churches they're giving has gone 80% down. Many of them don't have the resources to, to, to live stream, to, to bring the church to people virtually. I mean, broadly speaking, this is the church's midnight. But something happens in the midst of one person's midnight. Because your midnight might mean someone else's morning. And that, that is the secondary message, the not as noticeable message that gets missed right here in this story. See, the, the main takeaway here is, is what? Perseverance. Pressing forward. Don't, don't cease in your worship. Don't cease in your prayer. Bring, bring, uh, bring your praises in, in whatever situation you're in. And perhaps that is the main takeaway, but there's another lesson to be learned here. Maybe this whole thing from Paul and Silas to, uh, to, to missing their prayer meeting because of this evil spirit, to them being beaten with rods, to them being thrown into prison. Maybe it was all for this one unnamed man who guarded the prison cells, who asked a very important question. What must I do to be saved? Maybe all of that mess, all of their pain, all of their struggles was for that one simple question. Because that question led to a very key answer. Verse 30 says, then he brought them out and he said, sirs, what's, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who are in his house. All who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night, still midnight, and he washed their wounds and he baptized them at once. And he and his family, then he brought them up to his house. He set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. <clears throat> the theme of suffering, man, is, is prevalent throughout the Bible. It really is. 
I mean, if you think about it, Jesus was bonded to set the captives free. He had to be bound for there to be freedom on the other side. And he told, he told God, he said, Father, if, if, if it be your will, just take this cup from me. Let this hour pass from me. But what did he do? He entered midnight so that joy would come in the morning for the rest of us. So I want to speak into someone's situation. Look, there, there, there might be times in our lives where it's almost as if the ones who have been liberated must enter the prison so that the prisoners can be liberated. Jesus equates this with a mother giving birth. If you know that verse, he says she has sorrowed because her hour has come. She's in pain. No drugs back then. Her hour has come and she's, she's in agony and she's crying and she is in sorrow. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. She no longer remembers the hurt. All of that goes away because of the joy that a human being has been brought into the world. I want to challenge you this morning to shift your perspective a little bit and, and, and know that, that God might be using your low moment to prop up someone else's moment. It's not going to last long. Can, can I just tell somebody this will not last long? God is the God of seasons. God is the God of seasons. I'm believing that, that the midnight you might be in will soon be greeted with a beautiful morning. I'm going to ask Joel come up. It's not going to last forever. Be encouraged by that church. Last night I was, I, I was, uh, was having a talk with Layla. We were, we kind of put the phones away, the devices away, all that stuff. And we were, we were like for the first time in a very long time, she said, daddy, I want to cuddle with you. I was like, yes, please. All right. That's, that's like father's dream, you know, with his, for his little girl. And, and my mom's dream, like my mom would still cuddle with me if she could. <laughs> but we were, we were there and we were just talking. And uh, the, the, the topic of the conversation was, what are you looking forward to when all this is over? And man, she, she started going off because Layla, Layla is a girl who likes adventure. Like she, she, she likes, she likes fun. I was, I, I had showed her a picture of, of this, this, what I thought was a beautiful moment where Melissa was working on a Saturday and I took Layla to this, uh, to this, this lake and we, we rode, you know, paddle, paddle boats and I showed her this picture. And I was like, Layla, do you remember this day? Wasn't this an awesome day? <laughs> and she said, yeah, but it wasn't that fun. <laughs> and I, I was like, why? Like, that was everything to me. And she was like, it didn't go very fast. And then, and then she was like, I want to go to Six Flags. I want to ride a roller coaster. I want to go to Disney. I want to, I want to go to the beach. She started telling me all these, all these different things that she's looking forward to. I want to go to Olive Garden. <laughs> I want to be around people again. And, and I started thinking, man, because that, that's been me, if I'm being honest. Man, I can't wait to get out of this. I'm ready for a restaurant. I'm ready to be, I'm ready to be served. You know? I'm ready for some chilaquiles. Praise God. I'm ready. 
I'm ready. I'm ready to just be out with people. Even though people can be annoying sometimes. I'm ready for traffic, believe it or not. I'm ready. <laughs> but so many times I started thinking, we, we, always, we always focus on the then and the when. When God has called us to live in the now. We're not living in yesterday's season. We're not living in tomorrow's season. We're living in today's season. And, 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 and if we could just focus on the moment, it's good to reminisce. It, it's good to think about the good old days. Oh, man, to be skinny again. Oh, man, to be single again, to be married, to be in a relationship again, to be young again. But God has put you in this season, in this moment, for a reason. And maybe you're in your morning hour, and praise God, man, live it up. Be a blessing to someone if you can. But maybe you're in your midnight hour, and you're hurting, and you're suffering, and you don't understand why, because you are so committed to God, you love God, you have given him everything, you're in prayer, you're in fasting, you're in worship, and it's like, God, why? Maybe this midnight hour you're in is going to be someone else's morning. Maybe it's going to be your child's morning. Your family, your husband, your wife, your coworker, your sister, your brother. Just just live in the now that God has allowed you to be in. And be grateful because he is still there. I'm going to ask you to to stand. I'm going to have the worship team come up. And I just want to pray over you. I hope that this word blessed you. Now let's just focus on the now. God, you have me here in this season. I'm going to continue doing what I do when times are good. If I'm on my way to prayer, I'm not going to let an interruption stop my prayer. I'm going to continue to worship you because you've been faithful to me, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that that if anything, Lord, in my situation right now, in, in my troubles, Father, in my discomfort, I pray that you allow it to be someone else's blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. If you're here this morning, if you're watching, and you want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ this morning, you say, you know what, I, I, I want to I walk in the footsteps of the Holy Spirit. I want to be guided by him. I don't want to live my life empty anymore. I want my life to be filled with purpose. And there is purpose in Jesus. And if you want to commit, you want to make a decision today that says, I'm giving up myself and I'm giving everything that I am to Jesus Christ. You want to make that commitment this morning? I want you to say this prayer with me. 
I want you to say this prayer with me. And if you're watching and you already have Jesus in your heart, I want you to extend your hand. Spiritual hands this morning. Come on. Now let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Because of your grace, when I didn't deserve it. I thank you because you endured the midnight hour, Jesus. So that my morning hour could come. And today, I want to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to walk with you. I want to walk in you. I want you to abide in me as I in you. I make you the Lord of my life this morning. Holy Spirit, fill me. Take my heart. It belongs to you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.